this is Take It Easy, and here is a warning. This episode is going to be too cool for school. It's about butts. Yep. It's about right? nalgas. Carmen, meet me, my energy level because you, you're out here. You All are right, out here I'm going to get it. I'm going to get no, it. I'm, I'm waiting was, for an opportunity. Here's the thing. You have no idea. Carmen was out here playing really loud music and singing songs about booties and everything. And now I start this episode and she's like, yes, it's about butts. Anyway. Here you go, Carmen. Yes. <laughs> Listen, we are going to get down and dirty, okay? We're going to talk today about Cubans and ass. And specifically, like, ass as part of the brand, ass in society, ass in culture, ass in history, and all of its other bigger societal implications. I will eventually get into a list of alternative names to refer to the butt. I don't think we have that in English. This is how important asses. Like, Not we need really. language. <laughs> yeah. It's a whole thing. So, you're welcome for the ass episode. I am Frida. And I am Carmen. We're ready to dig into this oh topic. My God. <laughs> We're ready. Okay. So, uh, oh, all the puns that are going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> so, why a booty episode? What's wrong with us? <laughs> Many things, Frida. Many things are wrong with us. But specifically, I remember that I went to go watch a comedy show and Alexis Guerreros did this whole bit about his hemorrhoids. And by the way, this was a Cuban cultural comedy show. So Alexis Guerreros gets up on the stage and starts talking about his hemorrhoids. And I thought, there's absolutely nothing more Cuban than getting up on stage and talking about your ass. Like, <laughs> I was inspired. And so here we are. This is how we got here. Carmen and I have also endured a lot of judgment and praise and focus on our booties, including from an entirely too young age. And so we're going to be able to dive into, you know, the silly parts like, I mean, hemorrhoids suck, but also how it's affected our own body images. <laughs> oh, yeah. So what is in, let's say, quote unquote, ideal Cuban body? It is definitely big booty, for sure. And it has to be, like, hourglass shaped, though. It's not, you can't just be fat. You can't just have, like, a big fat ass. That's not the attractive one. The attractive yeah. one is when it's, like, shapely, right? This might sound entirely normal and common to anyone who's brought up, let's say, like, in this more recent generation. Because in popular culture, it's actually pretty mainstream now mm -hmm. to want to have a big butt. But let's rewind to, like, the 90s. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, when the beauty standard was, like, Kate Moss and she's, like, tiny. I remember watching American, uh, let's say, just, like, American mainstream TV. And there was always a comment that woman would say, like, does this make my butt look big? <laughs> I know. And I would always think, like, why is she asking? Doesn't she want that? I know. Exactly. I would think the same thing, too. And that's the thing. The standard of having this really big booty has been a standard within our culture for such a long time. What I mean by our, our culture, it isn't just Cubans. It's people of color, Latino people, and all of that. So this standard, for as long as I can remember, has also always been associated with blackness. And it's interesting because having a big butt and now also having bigger lips is a feature that's somewhat considered desired and yet other features that are considered black like black hair not desirable apparently in our culture black darker skin not desirable but the booty is desirable so yeah. it's like you, can, you have to pick and choose things 
that are more considered to be coming from black culture or black genes. Right. How many times have you heard, oh, you have a big butt that must you have you must have some black in you? I mean, I've heard that. And it's it's just for it's a weird thing to hear because it's racist and weird and shitty. Um, but also that's totally a normal thing. Yeah, for it's both racist and it's also super fetishizing as well. You feel mm-hmm. somewhat fetishized, and then if you're very light skinned you're just like, what do you what are you saying about my whole overall appearance and where you think I should be from or am from? And yeah. it's not like you're going up to you know black Cubans and being like, oh wow, you have a great butt, you must have black in you, like. <laughs> That's not, like, a normal thing to say to, like, blanket anybody. Mm-hmm. That's just a weird thing. And it's very contradictory, too, because, as we've said, we've kind of assigned uh, this undesirability to all of these other arbitrary features that are, you know, attributed to being black. and But somehow we value the butt and other things. It, it's, it's contradictory. Yeah. It doesn't make any sense. And let's say where this contradiction comes from and where all of these uh, issues come from, a lot of it is colonialism. It is the s- colonial beauty standards of having whites colonizing people of color, black people, and indigenous folks, and having those features that belong to people of color and black people be less desirable. So you can also apply this to a sort of fetishizing of um, the being where kind of like this idea of you want a lady in the streets and the freak in a sheets yeah, kind of thing where like yeah. you should present white, but like also have these like sexual qualities about you that are you know, also more black than anything. It, it's weird and so shitty. One thing that I've thought about is that Kim Kardashian is a white woman and being in the mainstream, she's been able as a white woman to bring the standard that has been so long a standard among people of color, among Latinos, among black people, and then suddenly make it acceptable, popular, and appealing for everyone when this wasn't always true in the mainstream. So... I mean, in general, I wish that there was less pressure to have any beauty standard at all, but it feels interesting and a little exploitative to see a beauty standard become uh, mainstream in our society that was previously not so appreciated when it was uh, people of color, Latinas, Black people. And that's frustrating. Yeah, definitely. And especially within the case of of what it really means to have this this body type in a sort of mainstream market. And when we're saying mainstream, I want to specify that we're talking about the U.S. and Western beauty standards. Um, that, that sort of shapely body really didn't become fashionable or attractive until Kim Kardashian on that level but you know meanwhile on on our side of things we've had like we've had the likes of Selena with which Selena yeah Selena you know had a beautiful body and she was also very you know what you would maybe stereotype as having a really round um idealistic butt also we've had JLo we've you know we've had many figures across history that have had this beauty standard that now Kim Kardashian is making more popular. Celia Cruz also had a, a badonkadonk. She was very shapely indeed. Um, but back to what I'm trying to say is that a lot of these figures, when they be, when they came to the stage of mainstream media, they were crossovers, kind of. They weren't really fitting into the beauty standard that mainstream media had, which was very, very twiggy, very sort of Kate Moss in the 90s. A lot of these figures sort of stood in their own lane and in their own light and stood out for that, but they weren't necessarily fitting into mainstream media. Mm, I like how you point that out because there are 
these are two particular cases, the case of Selena and the case of J-Lo. Because with the case of Selena, she definitely was accepted and appreciated in her, her, in her own right mm-hmm. and, and as a Chicana artist. And, and, then, and then, of course, she crossed over, as you say. But J-Lo was so long fetishized for her butt. Oh, 100%. Like, the only thing I remember hearing about J-Lo growing up was butt, 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 butt. Mm-hmm. And it was something that she specifically had, that she had, like, the biggest butt in Hollywood. So even though it was appreciated and sexualized, it was also um, othered. It was an other thing. It was yeah, it was a, a thing that she had as a spicy Latina and that other people don't have. Right, you know? of course. So. And you know, okay, not not to be making comparisons or anything here, but the interesting thing now is that in in the era of Kim Kardashian types, J Lo doesn't even look that you know exaggerated or no, you yeah. know, other as you know as maybe she used to be seen before. But that that is very true. So. But you know, also <laughs> that that sort of Kim Kardashian shape is is really plastic surgery esque. So yeah, it means a very very tight midsection and somehow a huge huge butt which like is really hard to come by in the, on the genetic Naturally. lottery yeah <laughs> like if you're gonna have a big butt especially like that you're usually gonna have fat elsewhere in your yeah, body yeah i mean you have to have thighs and legs to be able to hold it otherwise you know they no it yeah, doesn't so work it makes it extra realistic for people who are shapely and for people who are bigger than like a size two or whatever um yeah. to fit into this uh very hourglassy hourglass form has to fit function moving on but you know Frida and I um, are very blessed with you know nice butts so there's that (laughs) so we've been told this weird ass stuff yeah this weird space ass stuff a little too much (laughs) but also you know I want to bring up as well um in Cuban society and Cuban culture being curvy or being like gordita right is a good thing because it means that you are eating. It means that you have food. Even our grandparents this day, they would want us to be a little more rounded out than not rounded out. Yeah, but don't get too fat because then you, you know, you'll never hear the end of it. We're personally connected with this topic. How young were you, Carmen, when anyone talked about your butt for the first time? Oh my God, I'm sure I mean, that we've been talking about my butt since I was born. I was told that I was born and that I was a little stick with two round balls. <laughs> And that is how I was described as a child because even as an infant, like, the size of my booty was part of my identity (laughs) as as an infant. And that just feels... That's weird. It's weird. Let's take many steps back and look at look at that i knew that that was a part of my identity and that was something that was also desirable when you're being described by a feature of your body rather than a feature of your personality or of your face it really starts becoming really (laughs) internalized the booty being so important makes like little girls grow up too fast in our society you know yeah i would agree with that 
But that body type and that specific image has become a lot more popular in the past few years. Butt lifts are on the rise and it's now considered very attractive to have that sort of round, shapey, shapely butt. But it also feels kind of interesting to see when does a beauty standard become mainstream in our society. I remember being in, in middle school. Yo, and- the Brazilian pants! Holla! <laughs> yeah, Carmen Brazilian pants. And around that time, Brazilian pants plus boys with their hormones like I wore some Brazilian pants and I was seen as like a walking butt for some time and I hated it it was just hard to deal with but that was definitely what we wore so that was middle school Uh uh-huh (laughs) (laughs) no but really though and then there were all the chongas as we knew them there's a whole stereotype so like you might what do you mean all the chongas were you not a chonga i actually truly wasn't a chonga i i'm so sad to disappoint i kind of wish i could look back and say that i was a chonga but i (laughs) at the time thought it was very cool to be into marilyn manson and slipknot and corn you know what i was at some point (laughs) i was like a at some point i was like a rocker chonga because i would go back and forth between being like a rock like a chonga yeah and And then some days you couldn't decide okay you know what like okay Let's go. Let's go back over and say what the heck are we saying? What is a chonga, and why are we bringing up in this context? A chonga is a subculture of like Cuban and Miami society that is pretty equivalent to the chola in uh, Chicano culture. There's a whole song about it made by two Miami girls. It's called Chonga Licious. Chongalicious definition, arch my eyebrows high. They always staring at my booty and my panty line. You could see me, you could read me. They won an award in the same year that I was competing for that same award. We were both seniors and they won. They deserved it. Yeah, but the award wasn't even a drama award. I I think they deserved it, but the award was like a community service award. But I think they were also, the Chongalicious girls were also really good at community service. Frida. Anyway. Chongalicious was a community servant. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> All right folks, maybe we put this in the comments. We bring everyone back to Chongalicious, which was a satire kind of making fun of the chonga but also solidarity with the chonga. So what are some features of being a chonga and why does it have to do with the booty? So they wore Brazilian pants which and were very tight pants, very very tight pants that were made of like a stretchy material so they fully hugged every tiny curve and This and, was before leggings on. were acceptable. I just want to say one <laughs> thing our our middle school and high school uniforms were khaki pants and all of us little little like chongalicious girls went to balsang los que se van wait what is los it que vienen no se los van. que vienen no se van and we would buy the brazilian pants there and they had to be khaki which made us look like we were fucking naked which Ooh, is why you were <laughs> which is why you were a chonga carmen you didn't know it you thought you weren't a chonga but you were because you because we all wore the brazilian pants we all gelled our hair Thank far God. far back Thank God that this happened in a stage of my life when there was not a drop of cellulite on my body because actually I would still rock that, whatever, fuck it. Yeah, (laughs) and so the whole chonga ethos is to really, really like 
enjoy your body, wear something tight, but also wear something kind of grungy. Shout out to the Jongas for taking a sort of stereotype that is seen as not very refined, not very, you know, ladylike or, you know, taking something a little bit more nitty gritty and completely owning it. And not only that, but something that's highly sexualized, um, that's taken from more of a male gaze and then immediately turning it back on its head and being like, we're going to own this now. We're Chongas. Yeah, I think that is is the special thing being a chonga was about subversion and about owning that and um and i guess in a culture that so focuses on your butt you're just gonna say yeah i've got a butt of whatever size and i'm gonna wear brazilian pants in it and i'm gonna love it okay yeah. i'm gonna love it and what you what <laughs> you have to say and what you think whether or not you like my ass and these pants does not matter to me instead this is just what you're getting the end yeah the end the end Anyway, back to back butts. To butts so Alexis Guerrero gets up on stage and he starts talking about his hemorrhoids and, and you know, then he made an entire bit about butt. The part that struck me that was the most Cuban about this whole situation is the amount of openness that I feel comes from Cubans when they're talking about everything ass related. Like, my parents will hesitate to tell no one about whether or not they need to shit this instant or how their shit was this morning. (laughs) You know what? I think that a lot of it also comes from many decades of poor eating and many decades with problems with, like, food supply. Oh, yeah. Has made, like, what your poop is like and what your digestive system is like a big part of our com- like a big part of our conversation you can joke about being constipated you can joke about having runny diarrhea and like i mean sure anything like disgusting is usually funny culturally among many many people but the amount of times that like digestive problems comes up in our cuban comedy i think it relates to our comfort with booty and butt-related things, but also to just how many digestive incidents one can have when uh, we have the history that we've had. Both my parents have some digestive problems as well. Like, I'm bringing this up because I honest, I think that, like, Cubans have way too many problems caused by, like, I don't know, not eating for a very long time and then eating just absolute terrible food while being in Cuba. There we go. So I feel like I'm glad my mom can talk about all the weird little poops she has and stuff. So... <laughs> <laughs> Oh my um, god. Yeah. Yeah. The amount of times I would wake up on a Sunday morning and or a Saturday morning when my mom wasn't cleaning, which was rare, but the amount of times that this would happen, I would like come downstairs and my mom would be on the phone with somebody and be like, Oh yeah, I have to get una colonoscopia this weekend and it's just gonna be like blah blah blah. And then they would just talk about it so frankly. Like this was like common conversation between our parents, be like, Oh yeah, this is my ass problems. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not like, oh, did you just, oh, did you just say that? There's, there's, there's nothing like that. Yeah, pretty relatively informal culture when it comes down to it. We also, Carmen, as you mentioned, have many words for butts. Oh yeah, yeah, we do. yeah. We have obviously, you know, culo because Pitbull, you know, made that yeah, popular. Yeah, yeah. Entre, enterita, that one. Esa jevita está enterita y tiene tremendo culo. Culo is like a pretty, it's an obscene way of saying but. Speaking of my mom, I'm just going to bring on my mom every time. My mom hates culo. She's going to listen to this and she's going to be like, <gasps> yeah. How dare so you? That's, it's so yeah. vulgar. It's yeah. a very vulgar way of referring to a butt. But then, of course, you have fondillo, which fondillo. is just like, fondo, you know, it's just the bottom of your body, fondillo. 
that's what you generally use, I think, to refer to the butt. Yeah, I think so. That's a very benign way to talk about the butt. There's also yeah. nalgas. Nalgas is uh, butt cheeks, specifically. Yeah, it's kind of fun how, like, in Spanish, we have nalgas, which is a particular word for butt cheeks, rather than doing what English do, which, which is just to say it's the same as your cheeks, but just in your butt. Oh my and God. it's Imagine. just like, I find that really disgusting, actually. The fact that you can say cheeks and it's either on your face or on your bottom. <laughs> I'm trying to think about how to directly translate that, and it would be, it would be cachetes de what? Cachetes de fondillo. It would just be cachetes de fondillo. All right, then. Here you go. Whether you're Cuban or not, like if you're Latin American, if you have any more words for butt, just let us know. Yeah, let us know. We even have yeah. children's nursery rhymes, but I think sana, sana, culito de rana is everybody. But yeah, we tell kids like sana, sana, culito de rana, si no se sana hoy, se sanará mañana is like the little thing you tell kids when they get hurt or something bad happens to them. Which means heel, heel. Little um, frog butt. But it's not, it's not frog butt, it's frog ass because culo, culito is like a little obscene. So it's like frog, frog ass. So little kids are, you know, walking around saying this and... Let's talk about other words in our language related to things that happen with your booty. Carmen, I think you can start us off. There's cagar <laughs> and that is to shit. So you're welcome if you're, you know, learning Spanish. There you go, cagar. There is come mierda, to eat shit, is a big part of our language. When someone is un come mierda, it means that they are stupid, ditzy, or an idiot. idiot. And you might say, aquí estoy comiendo mierda, like you're just messing around. So like I know a lot of people in English use this to mean that you fell down and you hit the floor with your face. So like to mm-hmm, eat shit mm-hmm. in yeah. that way. But but when Cubans say eat shit, it's like we're lounging around, we're wasting time, we're not doing what we're supposed to be doing, we're just eating shit. Mm-hmm, so if someone's mm-hmm. like, hey, what are you up to? And you're like, oh, I'm just eating shit, then they know that you're free to do something or whatever. Cagalera. Cagalera. Una cagalera, like there's a particular word for pooping so much that you feel like the imagery that comes out when you hear cagalera is like there's poop on the walls. So when something is a mess too, yeah. like it doesn't relate to poop at all, it's also a cagalera. And it comes out of cagar, cagalera. Right. That can be used like you walk into the room and it, there's a mess and you're like, ay Dios mío, que cagalera. Like wow, Absolutely. this is such a mess. It's a, it's amazing visual. Mm-hmm. Oh, I have a story from my childhood. So apparently when I was like two years old in Cuba in my crib, one day my parents wake up and they find me entirely covered in poop and I am drawing poop on the walls. <laughs> and so I had woken up in the middle of the night and I think my parents woke up because they could smell poop. Um, I'd woken up in the middle of the night and opened up like my cloth diapers and I had started to play with the poop. And to this day, I love clay. Okay, so <laughs> it's it's the same thing. And what would that be, Carmen? Tremenda cagalera. Tremenda cagalera. Literally. Literally. <laughs> tremenda cagalera. For sure. I was also just thinking about like, did your parents ever give you supo- uh, suppositories when you were young? That is a big part. I, I I just finished asking the other day an American white friend of mine. I was like, didn't you grow up with like suppositories being put up your butt your whole childhood? <laughs> no. Didn't your mom like stick pills up your butt all of your childhood? And he said, wait for it. No. 
No, of he course said, not. He said, did you no. grow up normal or did you grow up getting pills shoved up your ass? Yeah, like, why, why <laughs> as kids did they not want us to swallow anything? Why did they don't have to understand. put everything up our butts? Yo, it would be like every other week. <laughs> I had so many things put up my butt, so many suppositories, you know? Is that, like... But it, but we were raised in the United States, you I know. know. I don't and know so, what happened and there. And still, they managed to say. I think maybe there were also Cuban doctors here too, who were just like, you know what? One suppository for her every day. <laughs> a suppository a day keeps the doctor away. I don't even know if everything that I was being suppositoried for was even like digestion related. I'm pretty sure that if my parents found that you could have like Advil as a suppository, they would have been like, please, yes, oh yeah, that one, you know. Like, they would have just done that one. Instead. I just don't understand why that's so much easier than I, I don't understand. Like, can you still feel the feeling of a suppository? Yes. Yes, I can. <laughs> like, absolutely can. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and you know what? I, I will say that growing up, I feel like I always had trouble pooping. Like, I was fucking constipated all the time or I had diarrhea. It was one or the other. And now looking back at Cuban cuisine and on the food that I actually ate, I'm honestly surprised that I made it this far because it was a lot of <laughs> high fat things and a lot of starch and a lot of meat, basically. Yeah. And so all of that fat usually like makes your diarrhea poop, like very very dense and or gives you diarrhea and like the lack of fiber too lack which of like fiber. you know i mean honestly i think avocados are the reason we're alive yeah avocado yeah, yeah we do eat a lot because, of avocados because that and has, beans you're right you're right avocado and beans reason we're alive but the and the beans have a lot of protein both of them have soluble fiber which is great Anyway, thank you for coming to our episode about butts. <laughs> I know it sounds kind of silly and weird and funny, but actually, you know, butts are a big deal in Cuban society. We have we have an entire vocabulary to talk about all of our butts and butt-related issues. Okay, we love our butts. We have great butts. Also, we have some grievances about our great butts and how they're, you know, perceived in society. And then if you don't have a great butt, you're not as worthy anymore. And this standard... It has it's felt weird when the standard has now moved into the mainstream um specifically for women i don't know if we've mentioned that but you know this it's not like we're asking men to have buns of steel over here that's not like that's not important as a man you just need to know how to clip a cigar and play some dominoes and scowl and also drink a lot <laughs> i love you guys all so much <laughs> Um, yeah, all, like all in all, uh, this standard, it's not a standard we necessarily endorse. It's a standard that we see as a construct to criticize, look into, see how it's affected not just our personal lives, but also the society we live in at large and how much it relates to being Cuban. And, uh, with that, we have a cubanismo for you. Of course we do. This one is me cago en diez. <laughs> yep. I shit on ten. en diez. And so to shit on something means like to get mad at something, right? Yeah. Or to get frustrated by something. And mm -hmm. so me cago en diez arose from me cago en dios because 
Clearly, the worst thing to say is that you shit on God because you're frustrated by life and fate and everything that happens to you. But if you don't want to make it a common thing to say to shit on God, then you can shit on ten instead because Dios and Dios sound very alike. Me cago en Dios. And how do you use that? Anytime something frustrating happens. Like, yep. like if you stub your toe, it's an exclamation. If you overcooked your food, all sorts of things like that. But it's not a yeah. positive thing. Yeah, it's not just me cago en diez. Me cago en, fill in the blank, it exists oh, yeah. in so many forms. One of my favorite things growing up was when my mom would say, me cago en tu madre. Because <laughs> it's a you. very common thing. It's a very common thing to say, like, I shit on your mom. But when your own mother says it, I would be like, <laughs> you shit on yourself. You just uh-huh. shit it on yourself. Me cago en la madre que te parió. Me cago en la madre de los tomates, the mother of oh, tomatoes. Yeah. A lot of things that you shit on, from beauty standards to booty standards. Thank you so much for listening to our episode about butts. We had so much fun making it. And a big shout out to all of our patrons, Carolina, Lauren, Gianni, Vidal, Christine, Dee, Derek, Kellis, Andy, Ryan, Jose, Susan, Celia, Catherine, Lauren, Kaylee, Amaudi, Kristen, Sarah, Karina, Jason, Daniel, Josh, Yvette, and Jesse. I love you guys. We love you guys. Thank you for always supporting us. We have a merch store now at our website, Take It Easy Pod. And if you want to get in touch, we are takeiteasypod at gmail.com and at takeiteasypod on all social media. We hope to see you in the next one and take it easy. Take it easy. Make sure to eat well.